There's no other name, amen? Jesus is the Lord. He's our Savior. He's our God. You know, I'm going to be reading in a moment out of Psalms chapter 119. And this past Monday night during our prayer time, and I want to encourage you guys, if you would like to be a part uh, of a prayer time on, on Mondays, uh, at, from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m., we're meeting together for prayer. Uh, if, if you're unable to make it to that on Wednesday nights from 5.30 to 6.30, we're meeting together for prayer. We're just, we're, we're just wanting to seek the face of God. We're just wanting to, to hear His voice. We're just wanting to be, a, we want God to align us with His plan and His perfect will. Amen? And I believe that we only are able to do that through prayer because if we're not willing to communicate how can we hear the voice of God how can we be connected if we're not willing to talk to come on and so I just want to encourage you not that this is the only time you can come Uh, Kathy or Stephanie are here all throughout the week and if you're not able to come during one of those times uh, you can buzz in in the in the foyer and we'll turn a light on for you and you can come and pray at your convenience but We just want you to know that we want this to be a house of prayer, a house of people who are seeking the face of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. You know, the Word of God says, where Jesus said, He says, those who come to me will worship me me in spirit and in truth. Your Word is truth. This past Monday, as I was praying and hear a, a, a word begin to burn into me and it was this this passage of scripture out of us psalms 119 uh, verses 33 through uh, 40 and, and I kept reading it over and over again uh, but I was reminded the fact that that how am I to how am I to worship in spirit and in truth if I don't know truth we we I feel like I feel like that, y'all love me, right? All right. I feel like that there has been a generation of anemic Christians who have not been discipled. And, And the only people that we can point fingers at is ourself. And I believe that the Lord really wants us to to grab a hold of the depths of his word, to understand what it means to be a disciple, to, to grab a hold of, of this word. I mean, so often we, we, we have probably 10, 15 of these on shelves in our house, and yet we might break them open very rarely or very spontaneously or limited time. But when we understand this word out of First, out of John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing can be in, came into being that had come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. In the beginning was the Word. So when we say, Lord, I want you more, we say, Lord Jesus, we want to draw near to you. Lord Jesus, we want to experience your presence. And here he declares, I 
am the Word. You can't have one without the other. So we have to get into this Word. We have to understand the necessity of God's Word. We have to understand that it's not just printing on a page. It's not something that just was written out uh, for a, a good moral book, but it is the living, breathing Word of God that transpires, that transforms, that transitions us in from glory to glory. It's what God uses for us to grow in Him. It is the sword of the Spirit. In other words, it is the Spirit's sword put into the hand of mankind to be able to defeat the enemy and to be able to grow in His kingdom purpose. We have to have God's word. We have to experience that. And so when, I, when you've heard me over the past several weeks talk about revival, there cannot be the depths of revival until there's a true revival of God's word in our hearts. Because he says, I will hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against you unless we have the word of God forming and shaping and molding us. Then we are unable to understand the precepts and understandings of God. So therefore we are continually being Traversed, but we need to draw near to God's word. Psalms 119 is a is a powerful word. But but I'm reminded that when we look at the Psalms 119, it 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 literally it basically on every verse out of the longest chapter of all of the Bible, every verse except for about two declares the Word of God, has something to say about the Word of God. Using eight different words, the law, the Word, judgments, testimonies, commandments, statutes, precepts, and promises. But yet, let me, let me help you even more clearly because the Word of God tells us that without vision, my people perish. We wonder why we see the, the perishing of a society, the perishing of a culture of Christianity, it's because there's a lack of the, the revelation of God's Word. There's a lack of vision of God's Word. When the Word was, uh, when the word was silent, when the, word, when the voice of, of the Word of God goes, goes dull, what do we have left? I mean, there are people who get up behind pulpits today who never crack the Word of God, and they'll give you a great moral message. They'll tell you all these positive things that you can do to help maintain an aura of, of happiness. But let me tell you something. Unless you get on your knees before God and you humble yourself before Him and you allow the Word of God to penetrate the heart and change the very nature of who you are, you can have positivity all you want to. It will not save you. You have to have the power of the Word of God. You have to have the, the voice of the Word of God. You have to have this Word. So it declares in Psalms 119, verse 33, Teach me, O Lord, teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will observe to the end. Wow. I don't, I'm not sure I'll get through all of this today. But the reality is, is that, teach me, O oh Lord. The sad part is, is that in our day and time, there are people who draw to themselves those who will tickle their ears, those who will tell them whatever fancy they want to hear. Well, let me shop around for the very church that might line itself with my morals so that I feel good about myself so I can do what I want to do. And yet, where is the principled men of God who are the watchmen 
who are standing there as the, as the men of God who are declaring the word of God, the truth of God, who are the gatekeepers for the kingdom of God, declaring this is the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way into heaven. There's no other way to the Father but by me. This has to be declared. It says, teach me. When I think of this word, teach me, O Lord, it didn't say, teach me, teachers. It didn't say, teach me, you know, rabbis. Teach me, O Lord. I'm reminded of Luke chapter 12 and 12. It says, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Let me tell you something, folks. I'm thankful for great teachers. I'm thankful for those theologians who I've sat under in seminaries. But there's something different when you sit under the spout of the glory coming out. Come on, somebody. There's something different when you sit in the presence of Almighty God, basking in His presence, sitting at His feet. There's something that Mary found. You can be a Martha all you want to. You can do all the things that make you look good and make you make everything pretty. But there's some moments you just got to sit at Jesus' feet and it will not be taken away from you. It is there that the revelation of God can be poured out. We've got to sit at his feet. We've got to bask in his presence. We've got to get into his word. You know, I, I love this little old lady I, uh, in Honduras. I, I had the privilege of doing her funeral. But every morning she said, Pastor she said, I get up in the morning, I go sit on my porch, and I put my cup of coffee there. How many know that coffee and Jesus is a good thing, right? And I get, I sit there with my cup of coffee, and I open my word. And every morning, I spend my time with the Lord. Let me tell you something. There's nothing like spending time with the Lord. There's nothing like spending time hearing His voice, allowing Him to speak to you through the word of God. Amen. Another word, uh, another scripture reminds me is Luke cha uh, John chapter 14, verse 26. It says, but the helper, come on, somebody said, I need a helper. Help me, Lord. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to the remembrance of all that I said to you. Wow. When I think of this word, teach me. You know, the word teach me is... is, is I'm going down, boys. I'm sorry. The word teach me is, is it's, it's like this. It's, it's like point me in the right direction. I mean, some of, you, some of you are hunters, and you use your rifles, but some of you guys are bow hunters. How many has ever bow hunted? About two or three, four, five, six. Well, I remember as a, a little um, kid at the YMCA, YMCA. I would go to YMCA camp every year, and we would shoot BB guns, and we would shoot arrows, and I had all these black beads from accuracy. Now, I tell you what, I probably couldn't shoot a, a, a hole in a, a target a mile wide these days, but the word teach literally means point me in the right direction. In other words, as an arrow is pointed at a target, it's point me in the direction that you want me to go. And I believe that so often we want to be taught, but we, we want to tickle the, the ears. We want to we tiptoe around the corners of whatever God's teaching. But the Lord said, you can't, you can't stray to the right or to the left. You have to be on target. God, and the only one that can put you in a target is Jesus, the Lord himself, is the one who directs you. Too many times we are... We're, we're, we're wanting to be taught by God, but Lord, we just want you to teach us a little. It's kind of like uh, giving a three-year-old 
a grown man's bow. Have you ever tried to pull one of those big bows back? It takes some muscle. You got to be able to, I mean, stretch that thing hard. It's, it's difficult. And, and, and it's hard for some grown men to, to pull that back, to really get a good launch, right? But can you imagine a little three-year-old trying to pull back a man's bow? You don't have the energy. And so many times I think we are, are baby-fed. We want to come to God and say, God, show me the direction. But we, we're like three-year-old children trying to pick up a bow and say, God, direct me. And we only, we only don't want to drop about two feet in front of us. But it says, Lord, teach me. Lord, teach me. It says, teach me your statutes. And when I look at the word statutes, it, it's one of the eight different words that's used for that's used talking about scripture in Psalms chapter 19. But, but the word statutes literally means appointed space, appointed time. In other words, uh, an allowance, a boundary. And, and so he's saying, Lord, teach me the boundaries. Whew, man, that'll preach all day long. You wonder why we laid out some Bibles across here because I wanted to lay out a boundary so we have a visual understanding of the boundary. Too many times, I believe that in our society, we've always wanted to live on the edge of the boundary. Come on. So you hear people say, well, I, I like doing extreme things. In other words, you like living on the edge of the boundary. I like being able to, you know, I want, I want to dibble on, a little bit on the outside and dibble a little on the inside, right? Because we don't understand boundaries too often for us, when we think of boundaries, it's something to be overlooked. It's something to, be, to go past. It's something that, that we don't want. You know, the old song says, uh, don't fence me in. Huh? And we don't like it. We don't want it. We don't want to be uh, in some boundary. We don't want to have something holding us back. But I love the fact there has to be a position of the heart for the psalmist to say, Lord, teach me your boundaries teach me your allowances show me to the allowed place that I should go show me and it's not that it's not that I want to cross that way it's Lord I want to know that way because I don't want to cross the boundary line I want to know that I know that I know that I'm staying in the presence of God that I'm basking in your presence and I don't want to ever get to a place where I'm lukewarm where I've got one foot on the inside and one foot on the outside I don't want to know that I'm on the outside dancing thinking I'm on the inside I want to know that I'm standing as close as I can to the target I want to see the boundary line so that I can find my place to the middle of it so I can stand in all of who you are come on somebody Amen. Teach me, O oh Lord, thy way. Teach me the path to the boundary. Teach me the path to the allowance that you want me to, to re remain in. So there has to be a changed heart. How I many of the world's not asking God, show me the boundary line? Look, re rebellious people are not looking for boundaries. They're looking to stay out of boundaries. Rebellious people are looking for things to to get out of. But people who are conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus, who are willing to surrender their heart to him, are saying, God, I want to know where the line is so that I don't get close to it. You ever seen a little uh, those imaginary lines that keep dogs in? Put those collars in? They ain't fun when they get close to that thing. You know, when you first put one on, that inhumane thing, right? That dog gets close to that, Right? 
I told Kim I'm going to put a shock collar on my little pooch. Because every time somebody comes to the door, and I want to hit the button. I said, can I trim the tongue just a hair? Maybe it'll sound like this. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Come on. Teach me your statutes, Lord. Teach me the boundaries so I shall observe it. What does it mean to observe? It means to, to conform to. It means to, to see, to have uh, clear clarity of. So I may conform it to the end. Now, when I think of that word, to the end, it, it, the word to the end means because. I'm like, what? What do you mean? So I shall observe it because. And, and, and what it's literally helping understand, because of the consequences. See, we live in a world today where nobody understands consequences. Right? I mean, when I said something in front of my mom, if I back talked my mama, guess what? There were some consequences. I'm talking four red, uh, four red ones right across about right here. Consequences. We don't have consequences. I mean, I, I, remember, I remember, you know, my first vehicle, and y'all, y'all heard me last week, had a few incidences. But I love laying down some black marks on the, on the road, right? And I, my, my daddy, I came to him one day. I said, Daddy, my truck needs new tires. He said, yeah, I know. He said, you left them up at the stop sign up there. I said, well, I need new tires. He said, well, I guess you need to buy you some new tires because there's some consequences. I mean, we, we, we bail, we bail people out so much they don't understand consequences. So in other words, parents have become enablers of their children because every time their little, little Johnny gets in trouble, oh, precious, you're just so perfect. Yeah, I know you didn't do that. Somebody has been influencing you. I can't believe that. And they point to every other child that's around them and call them the devil and their child's, child, child's the angel held up by horns. But we, ne- we, we never allow them to experience the consequences of their own choices. And we wonder why when, they, when, we, when we want them to come into an experience with God and we talk about sin that they back up because what does that mean? I mean, we live in a culture that wants to diminish what hell is. We want to diminish the idea of judgment. Don't judge me. And the reality is is that we serve the great judge that one day every single person will stand before him and will be judged based not only just because of their faith, but I know your works, the Lord says. And so therefore, we have to embrace the understanding. He says, I want to know the boundaries because there's some consequences that I don't want to face. Come on. I mean, the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. I want to know that I'm living in the boundaries that God has set before me. I want to know that I'm being obedient to his word so so that I don't have to face the negative consequences of my own sin. Somebody said, well... How can such a loving, gracious God send anybody to a horrible, eternal punishment like that? God doesn't do it. 
The Word of God says that hell was not created for us. It, it was created for the devil and his demons, right? It just so happens that when we align ourselves with the devil and his demons, we face the same consequences of them, amen? But he says, I'll give you the boundaries, and if you'll stay in the boundaries, if you'll, if you'll follow my precepts, if you'll follow my law, I will show you the way, and then you'll have life and life more abundantly. Amen? Amen. Woo, come on. I love Jesus, don't you? When it means to observe it, it literally means to defend it. How, how many understand, you've heard me say this, you can't defend what you can't define. And so there's too many people who are struggling and really want to know Jesus, but we don't know how to define what a relationship with Jesus looks like. We, 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 want, the, we want the preschool version. We want to pat a cake with Jesus and say, well, everything's going to be all right. But how many understand that there's a depth of relationship? Jesus, you know, the Word of God tells us you got at some point you've got to quit sucking on the milk. And you've got to get into something deeper. You've got to get into to, to understanding that there's some sacrifices that's going to be made. There's some suffering that you're going to go through. There's some hardships you're going to face. Because Jesus said, he said, if they don't like me, if they hate me, guess what? They're going to hate you. So there's too many. And, and look, I'm not against any preacher. I, I feel like we're all on the same team. But I do believe that they, every single one of us who stand in front of people declaring the word of God has to declare the word of God in its fullness. You can't just take pieces out. I can talk to you all day about the blessings of God. I can talk to you all day about the favor of God. I can talk to you all day about all these beautiful things. The grace and mercy of God. And every bit of that is true. But at some point, we have to realize that there's a foundation that we have to be built on. And it is the Word of God. We have to know it to be able to defend it. It goes on and says, give me understanding. Give me understanding, verse 34, that I may observe your law and keep it with my whole heart. Wow. The fact is, I, I don't know, I've got to go back just a minute. Because it's not only, we, we started breeding this culture of, of inconsequential lifestyles. As if, if it feels good, do it. Do what you want to do. And, 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 and not only has it been bred in families, but it's bred in schools. Teachers have no authority any longer. I mean, there's, there's no ability. I, I remember, <laughs> whew, I remember Miss Armstrong. That was her name. And man, did she have an arm strong. And, and there was the fear of God when she brought out that big old paddle with holes in it that the gym teacher made her. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and the reason I'm so small on the backside these days is because she took half of it. Come on, somebody. Some of y'all just got that. And I, look, the fact is, there's not one that she gave me that I did not deserve. I mean, I deserved all of them and some of them that she didn't see. <laughs> but I knew that if she called me, it's going to be a bad day. Because she's going to take me down to the printing room. You know, the copier room. This little small hole in the wall. And she's going to get somebody, the teacher, come with her. Come, I want you to watch this. I'm thinking, y'all just want to make fun. 
you're getting your buddy over here. Just it, it had nothing to do with having a witness. It just you just want somebody else to just make fun of me as you whoop the fire out of me. Right? But where's that at today? I mean, teachers are afraid to to say anything to kids because uh, they might go tell so and so, and and so and so is going to get them in trouble. Come on. I mean, it, it, it's not only it's, it, it went through homes and the lack of understanding of discipline within the homes, and then it flows to the schools, and now it's flowing to society where it, every authority is considered demonic. I mean, the Bible says this way, they'll call good evil and evil good, right? I mean, we're just seeing the Word of God unfold before us, and, and the fact is, is it's because we don't have an understanding. We don't have the ability to understand the boundaries which God set for us because we're no longer allowing God to teach us. We're no longer sitting at the feet of Jesus and we've marginalized the lines. The lines have become blur blurred and even Christian families are walking on double sides. They're on each side and they're dabbling in the other side and yet God's saying, would you know my boundaries? Would you find the place of truth? Would you hold on to me? Verse 34, give me understanding. It's really the same word stated twice. How many of you have ever been to that place where you're sitting in front of your schoolwork and you don't get it? Come on. Yeah. My two favorite subjects, P.E. and lunch. And so I'm... You know, there's times I didn't understand. And, 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 and so it, it's kind of like that, what he's saying, by writing it multiple times as a declaration, help me understand. God, I see it. I'm reading it. I'm understanding that there's boundaries, but God, help me to understand fully the consequences. Lord, don't let me pass by that line. Don't let me get out of line with you, God, because I understand that there's consequences. And God, help me to understand it to its fullness. Help me to discern. Help me to perceive. Help me to know with my mind's eye to be able to observe, to be able to take heed, to be able to distinguish from what's right and from what's wrong. Help me to have a spirit of discernment in a day where there lacks wisdom. Help me understand your direction, your law, the Torah, the Pentateuch, the first five books. God, help me to understand the direction so that I may walk in the prophetic teaching that you have given me to, so that I can truly walk in the revelation of who you are. It says, keep my heart. Keep, keep it with all my heart. To keep, to keep is to, re, to retain. I don't know about you, but um, I'm not, uh, I wasn't the greatest reader. Is that all right, y'all? Some of you, my wife could take a book and, and, and like in the afternoon and be, you're done. I take a, a book, I read the first paragraph, the kid walks through, and I have to read the first paragraph again. And after about five times reading the first paragraph, I'm like, God, help me. Chris, I, I, doing my master's degree was super tough. I had to wait till midnight when everybody was asleep just 
find my hole and just read because that was the only time that I could just finally absorb. And, and so to keep is to, to retain. God, help me to retain your word. It, it's kind of like, as I, I said a while ago, help me to hide your word in my heart that I might not sin. Help it to be absorbed into me. Lord, let it be a part of my daily living. Let it be a part of my daily walk. Let it not just be words on a page, but God, let it come alive to me that I may retain it and may walk in it with all of my heart, with the you know, when it says heart, it's talking about the seat of emotion, uh, the seat of passion. And, 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 and I don't know about you, but when you're passionate about something, guess what? You're going to do something about it, right? I mean, y'all married, some of y'all married, right? When you were passionate, you were, at some point, you got so passionate and excited about that person that you went and spent a bunch of money on a ring, right? When you get passionate about something, you're willing to invest you're all in. You're like, yes, I'm all in. I want to be a part of it. And that, that's the idea. I want to do it with all of my heart. And he's saying, I want to retain it so that I'm completely invested in it. It's all a part of me. I want to understand it. The next verse, verse 35, says, Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in them. You know that word to make, it, it, once again, it's, it's, a, it's two words that's the same word written twice. And to make uh, literally means to bend, to bend or to tread or to lead or march. It, it, it's unique because when you look at uh, the word delight, it, it also has that same inclination, you know, a, a sense of bending towards something. And I don't know about you, but I, I was a hard-headed child. I know y'all can't believe that. But when my mom told me to do something, I always had to get a little pushback, right? And so she would want me to bend, she'd have to push me down. I'd be like, yeah. No, I want you to get down. I'm about to whoop you, won't you get down? <laughs> what what the psalmist is saying, Lord, help me to, to bend to your teaching. In other words, God, help me to humble myself before you. Not to walk in pride when I see your commands, your teachings. But God, help me to humble myself before your teachings because it's in that place of humility that I find my delight in you. It's in that place of, of being able to submit to your truth that I find delight, that I find peace. I mean, oh, the joy of the Lord is my strength, and there is joy in the presence of the Lord when we come before Him, submitted to His plan, and it's in this position that we're, we're able to rise up. It's in this position that we find a peace of God, the strength of God. It is in this position that we say, Lord, I am weak, but you are strong. God, help us to bend before you, help us to walk humbly before you, help us to be inclined to stretch out before you and say, Lord, let my emotions, let my heart, let everything I have be before you, that I may see the revelation of God. Amen.
incline your heart to your testimony and I'm, and not to the dishonest gain. You know, when you think about the dishonest gain, the word is covet, covetousness, covetousness. How many know that there's so many people who are wanting or coveting so many things of the world that they find themselves running at lightning pace and losing sight of God? Well, I'm not coveting. I just want, I just want my kids to have opportunity. Let me tell you something. In the, if, you, if you are so busy aligning yourself with the world plan, are you teaching them the principles of God's truth to sacrifice for God? Are we teaching them to understand the necessity of keeping God as the number one factor of their life? Because what the Bible says, what if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? I mean, look, I, we live in the land of plenty. Plenty of distractions. Plenty of idols that cause us to trip up. Plenty of things that, that can consume our attention. Because, I mean, the world looks at the United States as the consumer of society. Right? So we love to consume. You go to the landfill. And the landfill has grown by leaps and bounds since we lived here, you know, 15 years ago. They've already, they, I think they're going to put Mount Nebo on it. I mean, look, it's a mountain now. It used to be a molehill. But the things, you, you pull in and you, you're, you're dumping your stuff, and you're like, man, look, at the, the, there's a reason there's a sign that says don't take anything out of here. I'm like, good gracious, look at the things people throw away. Right? Consumer. We're consumed with so much that we truly miss the simplicity of really seeking the face of God. And we, we, we get so much activity that we lose sight of just hearing the still small voice. Just being able to open the word and say, I'm spending the day in God's word. Man, wouldn't that be nice? I'm going to spend... I'm just going to take some time with God. Look, I'm in the same boat, y'all. And I'm, I'm, when I preach to you, when I, when I put this finger out there, guess what? I have to be careful to not get called up in the consumption of so much of the world. And we get to that. It says covetousness, but it's kind of like, you know, Balaam. Balaam, you know, was a man of God, but got caught up in the covetous of wanting to, to, to be accepted by the people and begin to declare against the man of God. I mean, there's a place when we, we want the acceptance of people more than the acceptance of God, and we lose sight of God's plan. Ahab, David, David got, got distracted by something. He began to covet somebody else's possession, if you know what I mean. And he lost sight of who God had called him to be. Look, we can go on and on. Judas got, got more concerned about the money than the being in the presence of Jesus. But to be careful not to get distracted 
not to be turned, not not to be inclined to those things, but to be inclined to the testimony and the witness and the revelation that God has for us. But and and, and this is kind of helps us understand that the psalmist is saying, "Look, I struggle." You know, I, we get so pious sometimes that we don't we don't want to tell people we struggle, right? And he says, "Turn." Away my eyes from looking at vanity and revive me in your ways. What's he saying? He said, God, help me to look over the worthless things. The word vanity literally means worthless. I mean, there's so many things that we consume. And, and look, even Apostle Paul tells us, he says, he says, it's okay for you to do this, but it doesn't have any spiritual value to you there's things that we do that might be good things but are they godly things are they things that truly build us up are they things that truly navigate us to to stay in the boundaries of God's presence and so he's saying look be careful of the worthlessness you know look I'm How many things do we do that we fill our daily schedule with that impact our relationship with God? What do we fill our schedule with? If you, if you was to make a priority list of what you do every day, write out the whole weekly list, and just say, God, what of this truly brings honor and glory to you? What of this is building my relationship with you. What of this is helping me fulfill the vision that you've given me to have a relationship within the body of Christ and have a relationship with you? What of this? Can you imagine if every one of us took our calendar, our daily habits, and we begin to identify it in that fashion, what could we mark off? What, would, what could we eliminate? What could we say you know what, We're, this is consuming me too much, and I need to draw near to God. This is taking the place of a time that I could be spending fellowshipping with the body of Christ. This is taking the place of an opportunity that I have to draw near to God's Word. Let me tell you something, we will not be able to have revival personally or corporately until we get back into God's Word and say, God, you set the boundaries, you set the limitations, you make me aware of the allowances that I can have, and God, help me to draw near to the center of my relationship with you that I may walk in your truth. Amen. Revive me. It says, in this passage of scripture, it says that twice. Revive me. Revive me. I don't know about you, but it goes on and it says establish. I'm, I'm going to close. I, I, I could preach for another hour, but I, I know y'all get hungry. What's one old preacher says, the mind can only receive what the bottom can endure. Good thing we got cushioned seats. The word establish means to, to rise up, to cause to stand, or to cause to be positioned. It's establish your word. There's two different 
Hebrew words used in Psalms for the word, word. This one, this one means promise. Establish your promise to your servant. How many know that God's made some promises to you? And he's not a, he's not a man that, sh- that he should relent on his promise. And if he's made some promises to you, let me encourage you that he's faithful to the promise. And so some of you have struggled because the Lord has made promises to you and you haven't seen them fulfilled. And what the, what the psalmist is saying is, Lord, help me to rise up standing firm on the promises that you've made to me. I love the fact that the Word of God says, for I've never seen the righteous forsaken or God's seed begging for bread. There's some promises, Ken, that we can hold on to. There's some promises, Evie, that we can that we know that God's made to us that we can that we can see fulfilled in our life. Some promises. And I want to know that I'm standing on the promises of God. I want to know that. That the promise that he made to me, I will never leave you nor forsake you, but I will be with you until the end of the age. I've truly, if you haven't talked to Sammy, get, get an opportunity to call him. He said, Pastor, the Lord's with me. Pastor, he said, the, God's already spoke to me. See, what, what, what he told me this week, he says, they were supposed to douse him with this heavy, heavy chemotherapy Friday. He said, they can't find a gene. He said, God's got my genes. I said, that's right, brother. He said, what they're saying is that, well, they, that, was, that was on Friday. Saturday said, what they're saying is, is that I've got something different. I say, yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, you do, buddy. He said, Pastor, I'm believing that the time frame they've given me, that I'm gonna I'm gonna be able to beat that time frame. His his doctor, his doctor said, he said, Doctor, when's the fastest somebody's got out of here? And he 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 told him that time. He says, I'm gonna beat it. He said, if you beat it, I'll make a plaque for you. That was Friday. Saturday, he walked in. He says, I guess I'm going to have to make a plaque for you. Come on. Amen. Look, Sammy recognizes there's a road ahead of him that he's got to take. There's, there's some sacrifices that he's got to make. There's some trials he's going to face. But he's never wavered from keeping his eyes on the promise that God gave him. Matter of fact, I told him, I said, I hope to see you next Sunday, and you better write your testimony out. He said, I've already, I've already started writing. Come on. I'm believing. Because when we, when we stand established, standing firm on the promises, God will produce in us a fear of the Lord, a reverence of God. And, and, and not only that, if we go to the very end of verse of verse. Uh, uh, verse 40, 
He says, revive me in your righteousness. What the Lord's doing, when we begin to stay in the boundary of God's word, when we begin to allow the, the, the boundary, understanding the consequences of outside and inside the boundary, we understand that there's a righteousness of God that wants to revive us, that we draw near to the presence of God. And in His presence, there's the fullness of joy. In His presence, there's healing. In His presence, there's refreshing. In His presence, there's reviving. There's some people in this room this morning that need a revival. And I'm not talking about a series of messages. I'm talking about you've been walking in a wilderness. You have felt like that you've been walking in the desert. It's like you've been drinking salt water and your mouth is just about to perch. And and it's like all there is around you is dustiness. David had this. He said, "I, I feel like I'm in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. And he declared this. He said, as the deer panteth for the water, as the deer longs for the water, so doth my soul long for you. There's some of you in this room who feel that way this morning. And God's saying, I've got something for you. I've got a refreshing for you. I've got a spout of living water that you'll never thirst again. Will you hold my hand? Will you grab a hold of me? Allow me to refresh you. Allow me to revive you. Allow me to bring healing in you. This morning, once the service is over, there's if you have somebody that needs a Bible, you're willing to take one of these, take it to them. If you need one, you take one. There's another bunch of them right there. This morning, I don't know your how you feel. You do what you feel comfortable doing. But I feel like there's some of you who's, who's really desperate for a touch of God. You're really longing. You've been, you've been struggling. And you just need the Lord to refresh you. You've, you've been sitting in depression. You're struggling. You feel like nobody cares. You're you're wondering, is God even there? And God's saying, can I establish you on my promise? Can I raise you up? Can I lift you up and set you in my promise today? If that's you this morning, there's plenty of room to spread out. Would you come and find your place this morning? Would you say with me, Pastor, I need a touch from God. I know He's real, but I feel so distant from Him. I know that He loves me, but I feel so unloved. I feel worthless. If that's you this morning, would you find a place? And if you're not comfortable coming up here, would you make your seat an altar this morning? I believe the Lord wants to stir a revival once again in us. A revival of prayer. A revival of His Word. A revival of His Spirit moving amongst us. But this is what that looks like. This is what that looks like. It looks like people humbling themselves before God. Taking the Word of God. Look at, look at history. 
Look throughout the Old Testament. Every time there was a revival of God's Word, when it was lost, and they began cleaning out the temple, and they picked up the Word of God, and they began to read it, and they began to declare the words of God. They brought the people together to declare the Word of God. It is then that revival broke out. It is then that the favor of God fell. It is then that they defeated their enemies. It was then. And we need a then moment. We need this Word to capture us once again. To permeate us once again. That we can be established in His Word. I know there's others, but where you are, let's believe this morning. Father, Lord, I'm thankful. Thankful, God, for those who are willing to step out and say, I need, oh God, I need you, Lord. God, I can't handle this road by myself. Lord, I don't see clearly the boundaries, God. I need you. God, show me the allowance. Show me the path. Direct me, God. Let me walk clearly in what you have chosen for me. For your word says the righteous, the steps of a righteous person are ordered by you, God. Lord, let me not step to the left or the right, but God, let me walk firmly planted in the word. God, let that word permeate my life. Lord, let it be something that I meditate on. As your word declares, I meditate on it day and night. When I get up in the morning and when I lay down on my bed at night, God, it is the things that I meditate on. And Lord, as we break open your word, as we dust off the cover, as we open it up, God, I pray that you make me know your truth. Make me walk in that. Help me to bend and be inclined to follow your truth, Jesus. God, that, that, that it stirs such a revival in us. God, this world is searching for truth. There, there's so much ambiguity in our society that nobody understands what's going on. And God, in reality, everyone's looking for answers. And your word is the truth. And you said that if you know my truth, the truth shall set you free. God, I pray you'll break the chains of bondage. And Lord, allow us to indulge ourselves in truth. The truth that grounds us. The truth that builds us a foundation that when the waves come and when the, when the waters flood in, God, that we are standing firm on the foundation of who you are. For your word is truth. God, forgive us. Forgive us, O oh Lord, of not allowing your word to be the central truth of our life. Forgive us. For even though we acknowledge that the Word of God is the living, breathing Word of God, forgive us for not opening it as often as we should. Forgive us of not being in, enamored with your truth. Because your Word says those who hunger and thirst will be filled. And if we're walking around, Lord, so lost, God, please put a hunger in us once again. Please put a thirst in us once again. 
that we know you're true. God, touch our children. Touch our children, God. Lord, they, they need your truth today. Lord, they are so influenced by so many things that are out there, God. And Lord, they're wavering with every wind of doctrine that's being blown at them. And I pray in the name of Jesus that your word becomes the light of their path. God, help us to be bearers of this word. Help us to be bearers of truth. That we can be lights and city on a hill shining forth in the midst of darkness. Touch our children. Touch our families. God, let your word become relevant once again to us as it becomes relevant to us. God, let it be known, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We want you more. We need you desperately. Continue to speak to us, God. Continue to speak to us, Lord. Continue to move us from glory to glory. We surrender to you, Jesus. We declare, amen. We declare, so be it, God. We declare, I agree with you, Lord. Do your work. Do your will. Work in us. Your will and your way. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God is good. I will let you know that I'm not perfect. Many of you have already found that out. But I am committed to allow God to transform me. And I want Him to. And I just ask you to be patient with me, that, that you seek the Lord with me as we move forward. I believe God's moving us forward. There's a song that says, I'm not looking back, right? I'm moving ahead forward I don't want to live life in the rearview mirror because I believe God's got some clear things right before us and we're using those windshield wipers and we're knocking off the bugs as we go God direct our path lead us we're starting our Sunday night grow uh, if you would like to sign up for one of those classes there's a table that has a list of those over there where you can sign up um there are different classes. Feel free to join one of those. Uh, I feel like we've got some great teachers who, who are very prepared to share this. So find a place. For, for me, it's a place of growth because when you look at who we are, we, we exist because everybody needs Jesus. And, 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 and we show that through knowing God, knowing each other. We show that through growing in God and growing in each other. And we show that through showing that love to each other and to the world. And so, to me, Sunday Night Grow is one of those opportunities to connect with each other. But it's also an opportunity to connect with the Lord. So if you 
can be a part of that, sign up for one of those classes. You, I think you'll truly enjoy it. It'll be a time of fellowship as well as to engage God's Word. It's a great time to, to get to know each other. Some of you don't know this, and maybe it's hard for you to get up on Sunday mornings, but we have Sunday morning connect groups, formerly called Sunday School, and we have some great teachers in that as well, and would love for you to be a part of those times. We have, uh, we have kids' classes, we have uh, middle school, teenager, um, we have young adult, we have all different ages, and we'd love you to come and be a part of that. We have great teachers who are passionate about their students. Love you. Hey, love you guys. Make sure you look in your bulletin. There's things to be engaged in. Get involved. Find your place. And let's get moving. Love you. Go have a wonderful lunch. If you're interested in music or already on the music team, we're having a meeting right after, right after this in the commons. And we'd love you to be a part of that. Que Dios le bendiga. May God bless you. May he, His face shine on you. May you find yourself walking in His favor. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want one of these Bibles, you're willing to take one.